welcome to the Deep Ocean Debate, where sea creatures go head-to-head in heated debates over critical ocean conservation issues. This is your host, Sergeant Sustainability, and I'm so honored to introduce our guest for this evening. All the way from the Benthic Zone, Coral Reefs Chancellor. And representing the Ecotone, Sister Seagrass. You guys know the drill. I'm going to ask you each a set of questions related to current ocean threats. You'll explain how you're better suited to combat or adapt to them compared to your opponent. And in the end, our listener at home will determine who's the ultimate conservation champion. As always, let's have a clean fight. Be respectful of each other. You know what they say. Keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. Before we get into questions, we'll allow each of you a short opening statement. Sister Seagrass, you can go first. Hello, sisters. Thank you for having me. I'm Sister Seagrass, and you can find me hanging out in transition zones between coral reefs and the open ocean. Some fun facts about me is I love snacking on carbon, and my biggest flex is that I produce more oxygen than land forests. Hey everyone, I'm Coral Reef Chancellor. I'm so glad to be here. You've probably heard of me before. I'm quite popular with the free swimming crowd. But don't be fooled. I'm a little sensitive and not a fan of change. Within my comfort zone, I thrive off interaction and my biggest flex is that 10 to 12% of reef fishes are critically dependent on my survival. so much for joining us for such a momentous occasion. We clearly have a tight race on our hands. Now we'll get into the question portion of our evening. Remember, you'll each have a minute for your responses to convince us that you deserve to be the 2021 conservation champion. <laughs> to start off hot, literally, let's talk ocean warming. How do you propose we mitigate the global rise in ocean temperatures, and what role will you play in this effort? Coral Reefs Chancellor, you may go first. Like I said before, I'm a pretty sensitive guy, but I'm lucky to have the support of my microalgae friends. Unlike me, they can turn sunlight into energy, providing me with the nutrients I need to survive. But it's not a perfect relationship. Sometimes under stressful conditions, we're thrown out of balance. I was told by Moger and Folk that when things get too heated, I shut them out and I lose my source of energy. Although this is a natural response, I recognize how important this relationship is to my survival and the greater good of my ecosystem. In our efforts to mitigate ocean warming, I believe I hold a pivotal role in maintaining this relationship as both my survival and the numerous species that rely on me for habitat depends on it. Well, that's a wonderful sentiment, Chancellor, but have you seen the numbers? Sea surface temperatures have been rising for decades, but all Chancellor Coral Reefs has done in response is shut out his algae, causing him to bleach and die. I, on the other hand, can hold my own when things become stressful. I am much more naturally resilient to climate change. And in fact, Alexander et al. found that my ecosystem can benefit from temperature rise. This is because under a thermal stress event, they found that I increased uptake of organic nitrogen, removing this limiting nutrient from the ecosystem where it could potentially cause issues such as eutrophication. 
for this reason, combined with my innate resilience, I think I'm the obvious choice when it comes to mitigating ocean warming. Very well. Now let's get a little more specific. Unsustainable human activities have released increased amounts of CO2 into the atmosphere, altering ocean chemistry and creating the issue of ocean acidification. How does this affect you specifically and why may you have a better chance of surviving? Ocean acidification is truly my greatest enemy and the effects are brutal. For decades, human activities have created a steady rise in atmospheric CO2. As more of it is released into the air, more is absorbed into the ocean, as it always has done naturally. But the ocean, she's like me, may look beautiful and extremely popular, but it's sensitive on the inside. There's only so much she can handle, and when concentrations get too high, it comes with a price. My friends, Claypaws and Yates, told me that CO2 converts to a more acidic compound in the ocean, lowering the water's pH and making it harder for me to build nice strong bones. All of a sudden, I go from being strong and popular to alone and frail, no longer able to provide my important ecosystem services. It takes a massive toll on me and my fellow calcifiers, but I plan to keep my head up high and stay positive for the future. Aww, that's so sad. I wish I could relate, but I don't. <laughs> Unlike my opponent here, CO2 is my friend. I absorb CO2 in the water so I can photosynthesize, and I do it every day. How else do you think I get this amazing figure? I think the question here is not how can I survive, it's how can everyone else survive without me? I live and breathe this stuff. It'll take a while for me to suffer the way you do, Chancellor. Let me carry that extra weight for you. You know, more than I already am. Thank you both for delivering such informative responses. We will now take a short break to hear a message from our sponsors. Today's podcast is made possible by our friends at Ocean Saviors. Ocean Saviors is a multinational organization that works tirelessly to conserve and protect ocean habitats and wildlife. Conservation projects and efforts are fueled by a focus on advocacy, volunteering, research, and education. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.oceansaviors.com and find out more about donations and what you can do to help. The ocean needs our help. Will you answer the call? to our special segment of the Deep Ocean Debate. Today we hope to crown a new conservation champion. Let's give a big round of applause for our contestants, Sister Seagrass and Coral Reefs Chancellor. So far, we've discussed issues of ocean warming and acidification, and I can't wait to hear your thoughts on our next topic, sedimentation. We know that the deposition of sediments affects marine habitats in various ways. How will you ensure this does not interfere with your ability to carry out necessary ecosystem services? Chancellor, you may start. Even though I'm used to a pretty big crowd, when sediments enter the scene, I get a little claustrophobic. Bigger sediments are especially scary because I'm pretty fragile and when they bump into me, I tend to break. This makes my structure less complex, leaving less surface area for marine life to feed, reproduce, and inhabit. However, when it comes to smaller sediments, I think I come out on top. When I get claustrophobic, it stops my microalgae friends from making food for me, but a special skill of mine is that I can secrete mucus to push them off. Pretty cool, right? Well, I certainly can't do that, but don't be so quick to think you've secured the victory. One of my most important ecosystem services is that I can trap sediments, of all sizes, might I add. 
keeping the water nice and clean for the other species in my ecosystem. However, I'm not one to lie, and sediments can hurt me too. My friend Boer recently told me that when these sediments build up, I become a lot less productive because the sunlight can no longer reach me as well. So while I make it easier for other species to adapt to sediments, I'm putting myself and my valuable ecosystem services at risk. I'm selfless. What can I say? Great answers. Now for this last round, we will be asking a question from one of our listeners. Gabby from Staten Island, New York wants to know, Everybody knows to blame large industries for the damage of marine ecosystems, but how can we as individuals do our part in reversing this damage and avoiding further destruction? Oh my, where do I begin? As the underdog here, I must call attention to humans' need for comprehensive awareness. Sure, turtles are cute and coral reefs are beautiful and colorful, but those who reach mainstream popularity are not the only ones in need. I think there's a significant damage that comes along with surface level or propaganda-fueled awareness. Humans need to take more initiative to learn about all realms, all ecosystems, all species, in order to make a genuine and significant impact. This should be the first step in any mitigative action. I might come across as needy, but I can't really help it. I'm sensitive by nature. There's a lot of changes that need to be made and fast to help protect me from the many threats that human-induced climate change has introduced to the ocean. Most importantly, I would say, would be to decrease CO2 emissions by carpooling, using renewable energy whenever possible, and reducing waste. This will help me build nice strong bones and stop leaching so that we can help homeless fish. Thank you for your responses. This marks the end of our debate. Now we'll give our live audience a minute to submit their final votes to determine who will be the 2021 conservation champion. Before we announce our winner, do either of you have anything you'd like to add? I just want to say that popularity is not everything. Sure, the Chancellor has received much more attention from the public, but I think we've made it pretty clear who's at a bigger disadvantage. At the end of the day, wouldn't you prefer a self-sustaining hero? sister. Let's see if the public agrees. We've closed the voting polls and the decision has been made. The official 2021 conservation champion is Sister Seagrass! listeners for participating in the voting. We hope you've enjoyed this heated debate and you'll consider subscribing to our podcast for future discussions. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and the climate crisis, visit our website at www.deepoceansdebate.org. To all our dedicated listeners, for God's sake, save the seas. Catch you next time.